there's a uh, I'm just gonna talk about this. There's this miss. I just got this tweet. There's a Mississippi State Representative Carl Oliver. Um, well, I'll read you his tweet. It says, The destruction, or this is on Facebook, I guess, the destruction of these monuments erected in the loving memory of our family and fellow Southern Americans is both heinous and horrific. If the, and I use this term extremely loosely, leadership of Louisiana wishes to, in a Nazi-ish fashion, burn books or destroy historical monuments of our history, they should be lynched. Heinous and horrific? Wow. All right, welcome to this week's episode of Attica Shrug, the uh, podcast about Southern politics and culture and things happening this week. Uh, with me, as always, are Chad Watson. How you doing? And David Dykes. Hello. And I'm Wes Cheek. Uh, good to see you guys. So how's everything going this week with you guys? Things are great uh, for me. Th- yeah, things are good. We're winding up the semester. A uh, few fights at school. We had uh, somebody posted a picture of the of a guy. It was a guy in the girls' restroom holding a gun at the mirror at our school, and he tweet. They tweeted the picture. I guess it was his girlfriend taking a picture of herself. Him and they were in the bathroom, and the guy was holding a gun at at the at the the bathroom mirror and. We have these security cam. Uh, we get these security cam emails every once in a while that say, "Can you identify the student?" And they sent this Twitter photo out, but the Twitter photo had the gun edited out. Like they didn't want anybody to to know that there was somebody, some kid on campus with a gun. But most of our students told us about it before we even saw the security cam uh, video. And did they think they weren't going to be caught putting out a Twitter photo of a gun in a bathroom? I don't know. Um, and then we had four intruders on campus. We had well, not intruders, like kids from another school, and they got they were causing a. Were they in a gang called the Intruders? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they they caused a ruckus at lunch, and they ran and they hid in the back of one of the principal's trucks and got caught. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of my great junior high school teaching moments. Was in Japan, we had these uh, this rival junior high school gang members ran into our school campus. And the guy who was in charge of discipline sat next to me. He's like an old... The only thing he was at the school for was to teach kendo because he was like a whatever extreme level kendo. Like he was like at the highest level kendo black belt you could get. And... Um, or whatever belt. He was a and, red belt. And kendo. so he's... He's a red belt. He's a red belt in kendo. And he, he, like, said, come on, come with me. And we jump on, like, the, the they're called mamacharis. It's like the kind of generic Japanese bicycle with, like, no gears and, like... Uh, two big wheels and, and a basket and we start chasing the the gang members through like these narrow streets of Higashi Osaka like chasing them down we're gonna get you and they got away it's always good to have intruders mm-hmm. David no intruders on your campus this week no no intruders we had um, we're working on our uh, talent show for the year so a lot of rehearsals and kids singing songs and things like that and um, we've got one kid who makes guns out of paper all the time, like these huge elaborate guns made out of paper that he rolls and then stuffs with other paper, and he covers it all with tape and paints it, and he's always making tons of guns, um, which we have a uh, 100% tolerance policy for. 
So um, uh, <laughs> the paper goes. And we actually we had a, yeah, a visiting is. student who, who came to check us out. She was from Ukraine, and um, mm. she was being sort of introduced around. And he popped up and pointed a gun at her, and it kind of freaked her out a little bit. <laughs> um, I mean, even though the gun was made out of paper and painted red and green, I think uh, uh, still it was. I think it just took her aback a little bit. And let's see, uh, one of our friends is in town here. Jay is in town, and uh, we went and had lunch today, oh. and uh, that's been very good. Hanging out with him, that is. I'm just wondering. I'm just wondering if the paper gun maker is his nickname at school is the 3D printer. No, it ought to be though. <laughs> Huh. He gives everybody else nicknames. He's um, um, one of my favorites. Okay, so this week we're going to be talking about ranking our five best Southern movies that we can think of at the moment. But before that, you were telling me that uh, Mitch Landrew, Mayor Landrew, gave a good speech on the monument. So we're doing all these monument updates. Uh, I missed it. Um, so if you could fill me in, because I was actually at the monument most of the day on Friday. I missed the final taking down, but what what was uh, Mayor Landrew's speech about? Um, well, I mean, he basically, just in a really articulate way and with a lot of sort of uh, references to um, um, civil rights speeches and one thing and another, told why those monuments needed to come down and talked about uh, that they weren't destroying history, that they were making history, and that it's an ongoing history. And um, uh, I think even people, a lot of people are very critical of the mayor, but I saw a lot of people who I've seen being very critical of him, praising this speech Mm -hmm. and linking. uh, I didn't see the speech itself. I read it. I read the uh, text of it. Uh, but it was just it was just very good, you know. It seemed like he was. He also quoted um, um, George W. Bush, which was kind of unexpected, but um, uh, hmm. but a good gesture, I think, towards reconciliation to show that he's very good at that stuff. Yeah. Like he's not like I don't know if he's like my ideal mayor, the greatest mayor. He does dumb stuff sometimes, but he's very good at this kind of thing. I think. Hmm. And, and as I said before, like one of the best retail politicians I've ever seen in my life, like on par with Bill Clinton or Barack Obama. Like, I don't know nationwide if it translated as well, but he's very good at kind of face to face politics. Well, and so they took down the oh, last of them, right? Uh, Lee was the last of the four. Yeah, it was really exciting. So Thursday, we started getting mails saying that there, the bear, and I live pretty close to Lee Circle, so this was especially exciting one for me. Like there was the barriers, like police barriers were getting dropped off down there, and there were no parking signs had gone up around Lee Circle. And so everyone thought maybe it might be at night again, like all the other ones were. So we started kind of making plans based around that. And then we started getting updates from people with sources in the city and then the city saying no it was going to be during the day on friday but a lot of people went up that night anyway and i wasn't going to but then i was like uh, getting ready to go to bed i was like you know i'm just gonna run up and see what's going on and i get down there at like one in the morning and uh like it's just down the street so but there's like a brass band out there playing and everyone was just uh getting beer like dollar beers from the circle k <laughs> uh the lee circle k yeah and um just like drinking and hanging out and like a lot of the wacky confederates were still there but and they were 
They were also wearing pajamas, but they were wearing like camouflage pajamas. I think that's what they, they might have been pajamas. I don't know. They were kind of milita- militarized, no, as they often are. No ghillie suits. I, well, how could I have known? I didn't <laughs> yeah. see all the ghillie suit ones that were out no there. Bad they might have been. No in bad ghillie suits. The, oh. Yeah, no bad ghillie suits. Um, and, and so, yeah, and it was kind of weird, but it was like they, they've so lost at this point, they were kind of like marginalized. Like, I don't even know why they're there. Uh, and so everyone was like a big party for a while. So I like had a beer and hung out for a little bit. And um, one, the only th- interesting thing that happened that night was one guy. Well, I know some people who are like, they really want to talk to the Confederates and like have some kind of reconciliation with them. I don't care to. Uh, so I was kind of standing around when they were talking to them. And one guy in a big Trump pants shirt was like, uh, well, you know, Lee was an abolitionist. Um, and then the war was about tariffs. And it's like, that's the moment when I walked off. It's like, I'm not going to have a lead <laughs> with an abolitionist debate. Like, you know, you're not like, uh, yeah, I own, I own uh, slaves. I enslave people and I am leading the military to preserve the institution of slavery. But I'm an abolitionist argument seems to be a little bit shaky one to me. Yeah, I had um, um, in, well, a few more, more than one, multiple people in my Facebook uh Probably nobody that's listening right now, but they had posted the uh, the f- fake news about uh, Lee never owning slaves, and um, there was one friend who posted it, and then another mutual friend of ours posted the, um, and they were like, and I think in the in the fake post they're like Lee didn't own any slaves, and he released all his father's slaves when he inherited them, and and um, and the see the Civil War wasn't about slavery. But then somebody, another mutual friend of ours, posted just posted a link to the. Uh, do you remember the 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 Atlantic piece? It was the uh, Tashani Coates uh, oh, yeah, about yeah. that listed like all the different like declarations of like independence that the different Confederate states like listed all oh, the sure, words. They, they like ha- you know they all have like slavery yeah. in them. Yeah, they all talk about slavery. And then I noticed like that my the friend who posted the fake news had. It was gone. He didn't. He had unposted. <laughs> it had disappeared from my feed and his timeline. And well, also the Times Picayune ran something about Robert E. Lee when two of his uh, the people that he had enslaved escaped. When he got them back, he whipped them personally. So as you know, pretty abolitionist of him. Yeah. Um, but it's the argument. You know, I probably said this on here at some point over the last few weeks, and I make this argument all the time. Like these are the arguments about the monuments aren't even about Lee. They aren't even about the historical figures. They're about like the Jim Crow era and trying to roll back Reconstruction, right? Like, I, I don't. You know, I can make arguments about why Lee is a really terrible historical figure, but that's not even the argument. Like the arguments about the people who put up the statue and why they wanted to put it up, right? So like, right. I don't even care to have those arguments with people and then the other thing that happened that night um this i was standing there and like i was kind of like so my friends have been trying to have the reconciliation and i walked off i'm kind of standing by myself and this this blonde lady came up to me and she's like oh i just made those people mad i'm like who what what did you say and she's like oh i said we should put up lots of monuments to good people i'm like well that, that sounds all right with me and she's like and not take down these i'm like oh no i'm pretty excited about taking these down and then she kind of launched into all that stuff and then she told me she was from Ohio. I'm like, well, if you're from Ohio, why are you, why are you even worried about this? And then kind of her, her big kicker to the argument was, you know what happened the first time I came to the South? And I said, no. She's like, I went to a McDonald's, and the people there just ignored me. And then she looked at me like, like for sympathy. I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking to me about. <laughs> and that was kind of when I decided to go home for the evening. Um, 
It's so, but then it, the next day it was great. So hmm? I was just going to say Sorry, it's go weird to me how Ohio keeps coming up as. Uh, the um, <laughs> yeah, the, we're finding out things about Ohio. It's just like the orphan of the South. Yeah, she she yeah. drove across. Uh, she was driving from Cincinnati. She lives in Cincinnati, and she drove over to Lexington to go to a McDonald's and <laughs> completely, <laughs> yeah. completely exactly. ignored her. Um, exactly, that's probably what happened. Uh, but then Friday was excellent. So Friday, we find out it's going to be coming down between you know, like nine and three or something. So. Uh, I rode my bike down there. Oh, no, no, no. In the morning, I got my wife and 10-month-old and went down there. And uh, just to see it, it we didn't there like 8.30. And Friday was the greatest street party I've ever been at in my life. Because the Confederates, I can't figure out why. I've talked to some people about it. We think maybe they were just tired and gave up. They, they weren't really there on Friday. And it was just a bunch of people really excited that this was happening. And it being New Orleans, there was a guy with, like, a three-wheel bicycle with a giant stereo <laughs> on it who was just playing, like, his jams. Uh, and then all these people just showed up with, like, champagne and orange juice and stuff, and it, it was great. So it turned into a giant street party. And I had to kind of check in and out during the day because I had stuff to do. But when I came back around 3, there were just, like, people with jump ropes doing double dutch and, like, people, like, just dancing in the street and... Uh, sidewalk chalk and like there was just like yeah food drinks and just like a really big block party and it was great and then i had to leave before it came down because bio boogaloo is going on right now and um local band who's become a national sensation recently tank in the bangas i don't know who they won the npr tiny desk oh, yeah. concert uh they're great they were playing a bio, bio boogaloo and then uh zigaboo modales was on after them so it was a really great uh that was actual great New Orleans heritage as, as, as opposed to Lee, who has nothing to do with New Orleans. So I went and did that. So I, I kind of regret missing uh, when it actually came down, but it was a pretty good way to, to miss it was to go watch some actual New Orleans heritage. So that's my monument story. That sounds great. I wish I'd been yeah, there. Yeah, it was great. And I think, you know, now... Yeah, yeah, it's good. So the the four that came down, those are the four from the list. So this part of it's done. I'm sure the big arguments now are going to turn around whether, you know, about Jackson yeah. uh, and things like that. So we'll see how that progresses. Okay, so moving on. So today I'm kind of excited. We're not doing politics per se today, which is good. Uh, it's interesting. I can rest my brain on that a little bit. We are doing our top five Southern movies and I'm going to add the addendum to that that I can think of or that we can think of at the moment because I will change this a million times, I'm sure. And I'm sure, like, somebody will mention some and I'll say, oh, that one. I come, Of course, that's the best one. I didn't think of it. Um, so I have come up with five. You guys have come up with five. So I think the best way to go about this is to maybe, like, we'll each give a kind of our criteria of selection and then maybe go around with all our number fives and all our number fours and all our number threes. Does that sound good? Sounds good. All right. So who wants to go first for their criteria? Uh, I don't mind selection doing that. Criteria. All right, David, why don't you give us your selection criteria? Okay. Well, I started looking at um, um, all different sorts of uh, movies that were set in the South, and those include things like Key Largo is set in the South, of course. But it's not really a Southern movie. Like, nobody in it is, except for the, the widow, I guess, is a Southerner, and the uh, Seminoles. But it's mostly Edward G. Robinson and um, uh, Humphrey Bogart um, as outsiders. And so it's a great movie, but it's not super, super 
uh, Southern. And then, um, yeah, I mean, I looked at a lot of different things, and I think what I finally decided was that for this list, I wanted it to be a portrayal of the South that I found really interesting. And even a movie that uh, I might... And I didn't want to go with any sort of campy uh, choices because it's easy for me to say that, like, White Lightning and the Moon Runners and Gator and uh, Smokey and the Bandit and uh, all of these um, uh, sort of campy WW and the Dixie Dance Kings, uh, those are all kind of fun, funny, campy movies, but... uh, I went pretty uh, much uh, straight up what I think is really good movies that are that don't indulge too much in stereotype about the South, but that engage um, uh, sort of how problematic um, uh, life is for us down here a lot of times. So that was that was my criteria. I guess very, yeah, those are solid criteria. Although I think uh, yeah, mine's going to be a little bit different because I think because I just have, named your uh, whole list already excluded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you might have just named my whole list. So, yeah, we'll see. Um, Chad, do you want to give your criteria for tonight? Uh Mine is similar. I was thinking, originally I was thinking of movies that take place, that I, I thought of just movies that take place in the South. But then I thought, what what are films that are, that talk to me about being a, like that sort of define what I would, what I would try to define as the Southern experience, as being you know, that take place in the South. Like, for instance, I really wanted to put Too Fast, Too Furious, which takes place in Miami, but it's not really about being the from the South. Um, Are you sure it's not? And that really speaks to me. Or uh, was it Live and Let Die, which I think yes. takes place yes. in New Orleans. In my um, house, yeah. But I just try to think of films that had kind of defined... Uh, tried to def- gave some sort of definition of what it means to be to to be living in the south at some point in 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 the last 100 years and there was one film i put in that i don't know it i, I don't know if it's a good film but it was sort of a defining kind of defined uh how i feel about film and um or entertain how I feel not about film but about entertainment how how maybe I feel about entertainment. We'll, we'll let you know if it's good yeah. good choice or not. And I don't. We'll tell you. Yeah. Uh, so here's here's the criteria I came up with, and mine is a bit more involved because I thought I kept thinking this one over and over again. So I was thinking about all these movies that I like that are kind of I was trying to confine them to these states or geographic reason, regions, and then I realized like there's tons of movies that are set in Texas that I really like. Uh, that aren't southern movies at all. They're kind of either westerns or ambiguous. Like, for example, like Lone Star is one of my favorite movies. John Sayles' Lone Star, I love, but it's a western. Yeah. Um, and, like, last year's Hell or High Water, which I love, is also clearly a western. Um, and then it got more complicated because you have all, like, the uh, link letter films, like Slackers and Dazed and Confused. And those could very easily be southern films, but I still think they're. Texas. Films. I had them on my you big list and then cut them, cut them when I started and then you setting the my criteria. Wes Anderson's too. a director from Houston, right? But his mm-hmm. films aren't Southern in the least. Even though probably my favorite movie ever, Rushmore, I think it's filmed in Houston, right? Is right, it, yeah, it is filmed in at a private but school. 
Yeah, but it's like not about Houston at all, right? Really. So I was kind of excluding those, and then I was thinking of all these Florida movies because I'm from Florida and I like Florida movies. But there's a lot of movies that are made in Florida, like uh, The Right Stuff is one of my favorite books and favorite movies ever. But it it's not about Florida at all. It's about the space program and uh, Fast and Furious, as you as you mentioned. <laughs> and uh, Bad Boys 1 and 2. Um, like, you know, but series like Key Largo also is great, but it's not nothing to do with the South. And then, like, Edward Scissorhands is filmed oh, all in Florida, yeah. but it's definitely not about... I mean, it could be if you extrapolated it out, like, all these different ways, but I don't think it is. So that was my Texas and Florida exceptions. I kind of worked through those. And then I realized there's a West Virginia exception, which I realized a lot of really good movies I think about being in the South are set in West Virginia, which probably leads us back to our constant problem that we have. So, like, Mate One, the John Sayles classic movie about the Battle of Blair Mountain is West Virginia. And uh, also, um, Night of the Hunter. Yeah, that's on my list. We have Love and Hate. Okay, well, that's fine. Uh, So, Night of the Hunter is, is, I think, a great Southern movie, but also set in West Virginia. So I kind of excluded, like, I was just excluding all of these, like, great movies that I love to try to nail down my list. So I came up with a list. Like I said, this is temporary. I will change my mind on it tomorrow. So I have my five best that I can think of right now, um, and I'm probably completely wrong. So should we start going around on them? Sounds good. Number five? So why don't I start with my number five, since I think it's a good punchline to everything that we just said. Number five is Smokey and the Bandit. Oh, yeah, well. And I will give you my reasoning. I will give my reasoning. So Smokey and the Bandit is... You have me at Jerry Reed. (laughs) Yeah, that's Jerry Reed. So Smokey and the Bandit is, like, unapologetically a dumb movie, right? But, But so I was watching all these movies this week, or, like, kind of reviewing them, rethinking about all these movies that I wanted to be about the South, and, like, most of them were about, like grinding white rural poverty. (laughs) This is kind of horrible. I don't, like, that's not exactly right to me. And then I thought part, like, a lot about being from the South is really fun, I think, and it's really good. And so I was trying to think of a movie that kind of represented just kind of boneheaded silliness, um, and Smokey and the Bandit is definitely that. And so also, you know, because it's filmed, like, all through Georgia, it definitely looks the part. Like, right. it looks like it's in the South the whole time. And um, mainly for me, I think I've talked about this before, I think there are, like, different archetypes of Southern masculinity, and I think that the Burt Reynolds Smokey and the Jerry Reed's uh, Snowman are definitely two of those. Yeah. Uh, with Burt, Burt Reynolds just being, like, the, the hyper-confident, um, kind of overtly masculine, uh, you know, moron. <laughs> and, um, who gets the girl and like you know drives fast and gets the girl and then Jerry Reed's uh, 
I don't even know how we class. I, so I, I, I love Jerry Reed completely and everything he's ever done. So um, I don't even know what we would call that model, that archetype. The, that Jer- the Jerry Reed archetype? The, the Jerry Reed <laughs> archetype. I would definitely call it that. And the great thing about Jerry Reed is, like, he's actually an insanely talented person. Like, great guitar player, great singer, great songwriter. Uh, also great uh, in his role in Waterboy as the, um, the evil coach. Um, so kind of all around good. So... Smoking the Bandit is just kind of like off the rails, silly, but I think fundamentally some of the things I like about it that I call Southern is just like it's based around this this rule about Coors beer not being able to be sold east of the Mississippi because it's not pasteurized, right? <laughs> so it's got this great kind of Southern just like contemptuousness for this rulemaking, uh, but also when the rules probably are for your benefit and are safer if you obey them, but just saying, oh, man, I don't need to obey that rule about pasteurization. I'm going to get as many unrefrigerated Coors beers to Atlanta Driven as I all can. the way from Colorado to Atlanta. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or Texarkana. you got to yeah, get them in Texarkana. Texarkana. as close right. as you can get them. Yeah. And, then drive. It is about, and it's about doing things on a bet. Like, it's about doing things on a really dumb bet uh, <laughs> in a Trans Am. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, um, like it's just completely out of control. None of it makes sense. And so this is directed. I think it's so great how this came about. So the director is Hal Needham, who is a stunt man, and this is his first movie. He just kind of he he knew this story about Coors beer not being available, and he thought that would be a good movie plot. <laughs> and because he was friends with Burt Reynolds, he was able to sell this. And like I think a third of the movie's budget is just Burt Reynolds' salary, and the rest of the budget is like three Trans Ams that it was okay for them to crash. Yeah. And then they got Sally Field to be in it because she was Burt Reynolds' girlfriend. And so the whole thing just kind of worked out. And Dom DeLuise, um, who's a um, buddy of Burt Reynolds. Um, and Jerry that's Reed. Kind of and, oh, okay, yeah. Well, there's a kind of similarity, uh, but like, um, I think all of these kind of grow out of Jackie it's a mad, Wilson. mad, 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 mad world. Yeah, well, like how, the, ra- the. Well, Hal Needham directed Cannonball Run as well. Oh, okay. So this is kind of, he, and he did direct a stroker ace. Uh, and all that stuff. So he was kind of like that. This was his thing. Um, the other thing I love about this movie is that Jerry Reed's theme song, Eastbound and Down, uh, Hal Needham asked him, like, uh, can you write a theme song for this movie? And he went away for like an hour and came back with, with that song, which is uh, a classic song. So it's completely frivolous and completely stupid, but I love it, and it seems to symbolize a lot of Southern stuff to me, like disobeying arbitrary rules and the most boneheaded, insane, stupid way, dangerous way possible. So my number five is Smokey and the Bandit. David, do you want to tell us yours next? Um, good choice. Very good choice. Uh, David, do you want to... Uh, thank you. Do you want to give your number five movie? Well, I'll start, I'll start... I'll introduce mine by saying I hate movies about teachers and okay. I hate movies about sports. But my number five is okay, my number five is Friday Night Lights, which I just thought was a great movie. Uh, it's real simple. You got two more quarters, and that's it. Now most of you have been playing this game for ten years. You got two more quarters, and after that, most of you will never play this game again as long as you live. Because it, because Very even good. though it was concerned with a coach. And with football, and it was about football mania and all, it was really about characters and about complicated family relationships. And it was funny in a lot of places. And it was set in Texas, so it almost didn't make the cut. But 
certainly that kind of football insanity is very southern thing, and it's all over the south. Yeah. It's not just in uh, uh, Florida. Um, Billy Bob Thornton was great in it, and it was based on a nonfiction book um, by a guy. I think his name's Buzz. Buzz Bissinger. Yeah, right. Buzz Bissinger. Yeah. That's it. And um, um, Tim McGraw was really good in it. Uh, as um, huh. what was his name? Billingsley, the dad of the Billingsley kid, who's uh, uh, the sort of uh, scary um, drunk dad. Which um, I don't know why that seemed oh, yeah, like. Which a, is also yeah. Kind of important archetype to have in there. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, and also because the coach is under so much pressure, mm-hmm. right? Like he's under more pressure than anybody else in the film, but from all these uh, like kind of people whose lives never made it anywhere. Yeah, and it and it doesn't um, come to any easy conclusions about football. It's like the, right. all the guys seem to be very into it, and they all kind of love it, but they're all. Um, and they think that it's a great time in their life, but they also feel all of that pressure, and you can see it sort of grinding them up. And, um, yeah, I just thought it was a really good movie, driven by the things I think uh, movies should be driven by, and very sympathetic towards pretty much all of its characters, even the uh, Tim McGraw character, who's a bad guy, uh, it shows some sympathy for. And so, yeah, I just thought it was really well put together a good good movie I haven't seen it since it came out and so there are parts I don't remember but I remember it being just yeah it was excellent it was well acted everything about it was really great and I know everyone says the TV show is also one of the best TV shows ever and I've never seen even 30 seconds I've never seen that either so maybe I should get on that well that's a solid choice and it is a great book if you ever get a chance to check out the book by uh Buzz Bissinger who has like I believe a shopping addiction isn't it yeah that was and he wrote a book about... Yeah, I think he wrote a book, too, about... Didn't he write a book about... About a shopping addiction. About a shopping addiction. Hmm. Yeah, I saw him giving an interview about a shopping addiction, and he was wearing a leather suit. <laughs> <laughs> and they asked him if he was... if He had, he said, I'm cured. Like, I'm totally cured. <laughs> yeah, I got rich off of this book. <laughs> I'm totally cured. Okay, so I guess we should move on to Chad. What is your number five? My number five... Uh, ooh, I'm... I will start with uh, number five is one I had uh, the one I was torn about, and it was uh, Walking Tall, uh, the story, right. the original Walking Tall, nineteen seventy three. Joe Don Baker, uh, you mean not The Rock? Yeah, nineteen seventy three's bi- uh, biopic. Walk softly and carry a big stick. Huh? <laughs> you planning on trying that somewhere? I was thinking about it. Of Buford, Buford Sheriff Presser. Buford Presser, and nice. starring Joe Don Baker, and this um, I remember watching, and I remember. I mean, this made the list because I have a very vivid memory of watching this film for the first time at my friend N. Ickes's house, um, who was one of the few I could actually walk to his house from my house. I grew up out in the middle of nowhere, and this was a guy who. He lived like a farm. He lived on a farm that was like a two-mile walk from my house. But I walked to his house, and we watched like uh, it came on like in the middle of the afternoon. Like we were playing in the barn, and we came in to have uh, <laughs> like I don't know. Like we came in to have like cookies or what. Um, and we watched Walking Tall, and and I just remember thinking like this is the most 
like, and I, it was like the first kind of the first time in my life that I sort of like, is this entertainment or is this art? Kind of like, and what is the difference? Because I thought this is like the greatest movie I've ever seen, but then it's also like the most ridiculous, <laughs> it's the most ridiculous thing I have ever seen. Because like Joe Don Baker, I think he's a professional wrestler. Does uh, he retires and goes back to his like small town, and then he finds out his small town's been overrun by uh, like bootleggers and he just decides to just <laughs> he decides just to go crazy and start you know beating him with a two by four beating him with a two by four and um, and like I remember too like and also the thing too was this was like the first movie that it was like this is based on a true story and I'm like like this can't be real like this can't really have happened <laughs> no, no one could have ever gotten beaten by a 2 by 4 in rural Tennessee but, but then also but I was thinking this can't have happened but then also like this could totally happen this could happen here like I was thinking this could totally happen in Tazewell this could totally we, we could have uh, you know somebody that comes back and just tries to decides to clean up Tazewell from um <laughs> The bootleggers? Yeah, I was like, where does Joe... So I, I spent most of my childhood waiting for Joe Don Baker to come and clean up <laughs> clean up my town. Um, we all... I wager that you saw that movie on TBS during the daytime. TBS played all of those. Yeah, I think it was... Yeah, it was because Thanks, I think Turner. my friend might have had, like, a satellite dish or something. Like, mm. he, he had a satellite dish, and we were able to... It was very... Maybe that's... Yeah. TBS used to have like that, but in the mornings be like Gentle Ben. You get Gentle oh, Ben and old Joe Don Baker in the afternoon. All the good stuff. Smoking the Bandit for five hours straight. And then yeah, and I just yeah, I just remember him beating everybody up with uh, two by four, like driving a police car through. You know that was like before. This was like pre Fast and the Furious, but just driving a police car through people's houses after he's, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Looking for the bad guys, um, <laughs> and, you know. very good, mm-hmm. good selection. So those are our number fives. I guess we move on to our number fours. Yep. We're moving down the list. So you want to go in the same order? Sure. I'll, I'll keep going. So my number four. I thought about this one a lot. I've changed a lot. I'm going with School Days by Spike Lee. Fledgies, you're president of the chapter, right now. My cousin. Tomorrow, he's going to be a gamma man. You're going to see to this, okay? Look, I know you know better than to threaten me. I'm shaking. Hey, look, Julian, man. You're a simple, weak motherfucker, but that's besides the point. Listen, if you fuck half pint, I fuck you. Oh, is that right? Well, let me tell you something. I am a Greek, and I don't play that. Now, I'll deal with half pint, after which you and me are going to come to blows. So what, you want to rock and roll right now? Hey, I'm Pops. here. Julian, forget him. He's not worth it. What's with the bodyguard, man? You talk more shit than a little bit. Back to Mother Africa. That's bullshit. Without question, we are all black Americans. You do not know a goddamn thing about Africa. I am from Detroit. Motown. So you can watch Tootsie your monkey ass back to Africa if you want to. Um, which is about his experience going to Morehouse College in Atlanta, an HBCU. Um, so I, I kind of went through this yesterday or the day before. I was thinking, you know, I, 
I want an Atlanta movie. I want a movie that's not rural. And then I was thinking about Atlanta movies, and I thought of Drumline, which I like, but it's not a great film. It's a, it's a good movie. Uh, and so I was kind of rewatching Drumline. I'm like, I like this whole... It's talking about this whole kind of separate Southern African-American kind of upper middle class culture and also marching band culture and stuff, which I don't think uh, gets recognized enough. And I was also thinking about the way I'm talking about drumline now, but it applies to school days. The way drumline um, wasn't like targeted at a white audience. It was like it was just about what it was about. Uh, And the people, the African-American people in it weren't like speaking to a white audience. And I thought, oh, you know, that reminds me of School Days, which is a more cinematic um, kind of take on that, on uh, historically black colleges and universities. So, uh, you know, if you haven't seen School Days, it's Spike Lee's second movie, I think, after She's Gotta Have It. Yes. And it's got uh, Lawrence Fishburne and uh, Giancarlo Esposito, who's one of my favorite actors, and Tisha Campbell. And, of course, Spike Lee puts himself in it, as he used to all the time. And um, I really like Spike Lee's movies in general. I think he's great. And this one is a little bit disjointed, like a lot of his good movies are. I think it doesn't have any conclusions. Like, there's all these plot lines that never go anywhere. But what I really like about it, like I kind of said, is that it's African-American characters speaking to each other, not to, like, a white audience. And I was looking at a Roger Ebert review. I thought it was very good. He was saying a lot of movies about... African-American people in the South are, like, secular sermons. They're, Mm -hmm. like, uh, preaching about society and stuff. But this one's just, like, kind of self-contained completely. And, um, you know, it talks about, like, apartheid. They're having apartheid protests, like, uh, things like that. But it's just about these kind of group of upwardly mobile um, African-Americans who go to the South because that's where, like, kind of the the prestigious uh, HBCUs are, which I... I thought that was a really good element of it. That's one thing that got me thinking about when I was watching Drumline was that, you know, the kids there are getting recruited out of New York to go to Atlanta because going to Atlanta is making it like in that. So I kind of liked that view of the South where it wasn't this um, grinding white rural poverty. It's about kind of upwardly mobile African-Americans kind of in New South cities, Atlanta being the most predominant one of those. So my number four is School Days. That sounds great to me. I, I love Spike Lee movies, but I haven't seen that one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good. Like, Larry Fishburne is, like, full Larry Fishburne in it, which is good. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody's everybody's great. Teacher Campbell's great. And it, it's got um, a lot of music. There's a lot of, like, uh, like kind of, like, step show stuff yeah. in it, all through it and stuff. It's, it's very good. It's very watchable. I recommend. Um, it's on Amazon, giving it a rewatch. Cool. Um, so, David, what's your number four? Uh, number four for me is 1958's Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Mendacity. You won't live with mendacity. But well, you're an expert at it. 
and it knocked Streetcar Named Desire off my list because I thought I, I can't do more than one. I could just do every Tennessee Williams movie ever, and that could be my list. So I thought I'll pick one. I thought that was going to be your list. <laughs> and that one. I kind of planned on that being your list. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof edged out um, um, Streetcar Street Named Desire, which is a great movie, but it has Vivian Lee's southern accent, which I find insufferable. And um, uh, and it seems that it's yeah, cat on a hot tin roof has uh, the southern story based on anxiety over a will, which we talked about um, uh, in our <laughs> yeah. first episode about how that's a classic trope in uh, southern literature. Burl Ives great is great yeah. in it. Paul Newman's really great in it. Elizabeth Taylor, her accent again is a little bit Vivian Lee, but. Uh, and it's funny in a lot of places, and um, you know, right. it's just it's very hard to it's hard to be super critical of it. Of course, uh, uh, any time that the critics or not the critics, the um, uh, censors, the Hollywood censors got their hands on uh, uh, Tennessee Williams, they cut out stuff that was kind of important to the story. But if you were looking for a subtext, it was all still there anyway. Um, and so, what did they cut out of hot, cut on a hot tin roof? Uh, well, Paul Newman's relationship with his best friend, and uh, it's much gayer in the play. Right, it's much clearer that he's in love, uh, and they um, uh, tone that way down in the movie. Uh, I've seen a few uh, Tennessee Williams T-shirts around town this week. Oh yeah. Did you say Tennessee Williams? Was, yeah, not Tennessee Vols. There is, um, I think, what's this quote about there are three American cities, New York, San Francisco, and New Orleans, everything else is Cleveland? <laughs> Which is ironic because Paul Newman is from Cleveland. Um, well, Paul Newman is, uh, well, he's just such a great actor, and he did some great That's Southern movies, including one that I didn't even think about. It's not even on my, Cool Hand Luke is not even on my long list uh, to be eliminated, so we'll see if it turns up later on somebody else. Well, it's interesting. I've been thinking about Paul Newman is really great at playing Southern roles, and that's one. Yeah, that, I was thinking about that. It's really funny. He's from Shaker Heights, Ohio, but I mean, he's just an incredible actor. I think is probably why. Uh, and so, yeah, that's a good one. Okay, Cat on a Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. I figured you were going to go with Streetcar Name Desire, so that we could get into your uh, whole theorizing about where the actual house was located, but. Maybe we can do that some other time. Well, the end of Cat on a Hot Tin Roof was sort of changed around a little bit, too, and made a little bit more positive. And, um, but I think that in the movie, but I think that it was sort of tinkered with some on stage, too. I'm not sure about that. But uh, so, yeah. Anyway. All right. So, yeah, that's my, that's my number four. Good, good choice. All right, Chad, you are up. You're number four. Well, can I tell you what my number four is for real? My number four for real yeah. is a Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Um, really? Oh, wow. There you go. Yeah, it really is because, um, yeah, I, you know, thinking, I remember watching, I, I don't, I'm not going to try to, re, maybe I am going to try to do this. Were you playing in the barn movie. and then you went in and watched it in the middle of the day? <laughs> <laughs> no, I remember, I remember watching it with my parents on, uh, sat, like on satellite. And this is actually I we we got a satellite because I told them I told them that story about it. I was like you can watch Walking Tall <laughs> in the middle of the day like we got to get one of these uh, so we got a satellite 
and I th- and I don't know what it was. I remember it was on late at night, and I remember watching it with my mom and being incredible. Because I had not. This is before I read the play. I had not read the play yet. But picking up on like Skipper, I'm like, it's isn't it? It's very obvious that um, yeah. That I remember like that. Brick and Skipper are are uh, you know. That I mean, that's why he's so upset. He's like, oh, I bet he's just sad about his friend. And I just remember it being very uncomfortable with my mom, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, watching this very adult-themed. You know, I'm, I met, I want to say, I mean, I was, you know, maybe 15 or 16 watching it, with, but just, but, but also I remember thinking, oh, like, this is definitely, this is like, oh, this is a very, I, I remember even thinking about it then, like, this is, like a southern fan like this is like a southern aristocrats that that are kind of waning southern aristocrats that I've seen like in ta- like these are people that these are people that I've met before um you know and that kind of struck that sort of like not they're not like people like me but the, these were the first I'm like oh I know these people like these are people from you know, New Tazewell. Yeah, these are New Tazewell folk. <laughs> these are like kind of the folk like New Tazewell. That's definitely Brick and Skipper would never, that would never go over in Tazewell. <laughs> like, um, but yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, and I just thought it was great. And that, yeah, and I have a lot of Tennessee Williams, like, plays and things. I, could, I mean, movies that I could put on the list, but. No, that's why I think you guys uh, tie, tie for fourth. Oh, that, that one, you know. Hey, it's a good movie, so there we go. So I guess it brings us to number three already. That was quick. Yep. So number three is the most recent one. I'm going with a 2008 film called Ballast. Have either of you seen Ballast? No, no but I've heard about it. Like the best dramatic, uh, best director and best cinematography at 2008 at Sundance, and it got a bunch of nominations for Independent Spirit Awards. And it's by this the director is this guy called Lance Hammerer, who's like only other credits are like special visual effects on Batman and Robin. That's <laughs> not the best resume. I don't know. Not to down the guy, but um, it is visually incredible. It's set in like rural Mississippi, uh, modern day. And it's just the the plot, you know, the plots could be a little bit overwrought. It's about, um, I'll just give you a brief summation. It's about a guy, his twin brother dies, and he, you know, has a lot of trauma with that. He can't really deal with it well. And his estranged son is also having lots of problems. And they, him and his, the son's mother kind of come to this understanding about trying to raise the son. But... That's not the main thing. The main thing is like just vi- it's visually stunning rural Mississippi, and they didn't use any uh, professional actors. They use like local like local actors, and so it's just a very real movie. And it's really it's not an easy movie to watch. And I'm not saying like it's completely like soul crushing, although it kind of is. But it's it's kind of really slow paced. 
it's not driven by a plot. There's no like mystery. It's not kind of moving along. You're not wondering what happens next. It's just kind of it's kind of sad. It has this tone, and it looks beautiful the whole way through. It's a lot of like handheld cameras, and um, just scenery from around like that part of Mississippi. And if you see it for a second, like you'll recognize it. And I like it because every time they're driving down a road, like a dog has to move out of the way. Uh, <laughs> so that was good to see. And one of the plot points is. Um, the neighbor uh, keeping the guy's dog for him for a while, which <laughs> seems accurate. But it's, you know, I read some reviews of it where, like, oh, that movie was, like, too try- too dramatic, too over the top. It's trying to be sociology instead of a movie. But I would say just watch it and just look at it. And if I was showing movies about, like, if someone said, like, what does the South, like, look like? I have no idea. I would definitely show them that movie. It's an incredibly beautiful movie. So Ballast, 2008 Ballast by the director Lance Hammer is my number four. Cool. Your number three? Right, David, David. My number three. Yep. Yes, my number three. Yeah. So, uh, David, what is your number three? My number three is um, Coal Miner's Daughter. I think. Don't. Yeah. I, yeah. I knew that was going to happen. Zero's on the list. Or is it on your oh, list? yeah. So, yeah. What I, I love about that list. movie, uh, um, basically, is Sissy Spacek's great. Tommy Lee Jones is good. Absolutely. Uh, Levon Helm is the best thing that ever happened. Is, um, is amazing, yeah. And uh, Loretta Lynn is the best thing that ever happened. Uh, I suspect we're going to talk more about the movie a little bit. I'd love to just, like, <laughs> describe scenes and do dialogue from it because it's so funny and so good in so many ways, but that's boring. Yeah. But I'll tell you, my is dad okay. was a um, newspaper reporter, as you guys know, and one of the things that he did was when Loretta Lynn uh, played at the um, Coliseum, he went to interview her, and he caught her after the show, and she was staying at the Hyatt up the hill, uh, like up a steep grass hill from the Coliseum. And uh, he said, Ms. Um, Lynn, do you have time for an interview? And she said, uh, Oh, honey, I'm I'm tired, but uh, if you'll walk with me, I'll give you an interview as we go. And so they walked up the hill together to the Hyatt and um, um, did the interview on the fly. And I always thought that just the fact that she, <laughs> it was close, so she walked. It seemed to me like that was a really good indication right. of who she was or is. Yeah, she's an interesting person because, you know, she's a committed, vocal, conservative Republican, mm-hmm. but also seems like an entirely great person. Yep. And so, yeah, uh, Coal so Miner's Daughter, for so many reasons I can't even start, but great uh, scenes of the mountains, um, the accent, everybody gets the accent right, as far as I remember. Levon Helm, like I said, is so great. Um uh, Tommy Lee Jones. And they filmed it up in Wise, Wise, Virginia. Yep. So, Chad and I have been to Wise. Yeah. Across the big bridge. We've been driving so much, I don't even know where I am half the time. Oh, it's fun, though. You know, we, we sing and talk and do. That's my husband. He'll be acting on me. And the more I laugh, the more you're right. Yep. So, Chad? Uh, all right, my next film. So actually, this is one of my. This actually violates one of my criteria that I didn't. Um, that I started out with, but I kind of scrapped it. Was I? I didn't want to put a historical something that talked about a historical events because I wanted things that were. 
I don't know. I don't know why. I just I wanted to try to find things that were about the South, not that maybe were historical. Even though I guess you could say Walking Tall was a historical <laughs> film, <laughs> ass whooping. Yeah, but uh, it was, and actually, it was a film I didn't I didn't like it that much. I, I didn't like it that much the first time I watched it, and I was. I mean, I thought it was okay. But then after I uh, heard Stephen Tobolowsky talk about being in Mississippi Burning, I rewatched it and I just I liked. I don't know if I was kind of reminisce. I was. I thought Gene Hackman and William Defoe were, and it's the the film about the um, James Ch- the investigation of the Philadelphia civil rights or the Philadelphia Mississippi murder of three civil rights workers uh, by two FBI agents, um, and Gene Hackman, one of my favorite actors, my, um, but it, uh, sort of, I don't know, it just seemed like a lot of solid performances, even though it was about a a historical, and I thought it was a good, you know, a good, uh, film about a very painful event in, I guess, not just the South, but the nation's, uh, history, and it was interesting, and also, and actually, after Stephen Tobolowsky had talked about it, it was interesting going back and watching some of the scenes because he plays the, um, and this is uh, Ned. Rock. I've forgotten he was in it. Yeah, he was in it. He was, um, he was the clan. He was the leader of the clan. He was the. Uh, oh, that's right. The interesting story that he ta- that um, that they they recruited. I guess Alan Parker was the director, and he recruited people for the Klan rally. Who were actually a lot of the people in the Klan rally were actually current members of the Ku Klux Klan, um, supposedly. And Stephen Tobolowsky talked about I mean, as as a Jewish person up there giving this very racist like hateful speech that is you know and he th- everybody's supposed to be in on it and but they're all like cheering and um you know cheering him on and he kind of felt like it was very sincere like everybody cheering him on and he felt very uncomfortable doing the the, the very like the the speech and he felt very nervous and he was afraid that they would find out that he was jewish and he just you know, refer to himself as Steve, like when he was off, you know, like when he was meeting. Um, and then also another thing is that Alan Parker tried to paint, he painted everything with this tone of paint and the film that they were using and the lights that they were using, the fit, it kind of gray, everything was kind of washed out. Everything had like washed out colors, but the thing, but it made like skin colors pop, like it made so 
really like the colors that you like the the black and the white faces were what really stood out like on camera um and kind of everything else kind of blended into nothing really stood out in when they were doing like the color schemes and they wanted everything to be kind of very plain and just it to be the kind even like they did the makeup like they were very like you know did more powder on the white guys and all that um so, yeah. <laughs> no, I was just saying, you know, I have to rewatch it because I watched it initially right after it came out, and I was kind of like, oh, that's interesting. And there's been so much criticism over it over the years of it, saying that it didn't do that much justice to the actual case because the FBI probably didn't want to solve it that badly, and putting the FBI at the center of the civil rights movement was kind of a flawed way to approach it. There's been a lot of criticism. Yeah, and I, but I haven't I haven't rewatched it since then, so I don't know. And I guess like that's what I was like. It's maybe not good as a historical document, but good as a film. Like it's good, mm, not as is, yeah. not as history, but as fiction. I think is what. Is one, and I think maybe I was at the time when I saw it. I was kind of thinking this when I first saw it. It was like, oh, this is not, you know, this is not the best, you know. This is not the most right. accurate portrayal of what's going on. But then when I watched it again, I thought it was good. And there are a lot of good actors. In yeah, it. and I think that's what got me. It was. Well, I kind of wanted to include a civil rights movie just on principle because it seems like an important part of the South and all, but so many of them, Mm -hmm. even when they're good movies, and a lot of them are good, they have that secular sermon quality to them and uh, don't work that well sort of narratively and um, as far as the the actual movie-making qualities of them go. And And they tend to be a little bit sentimental. Yeah. Um, and Yeah, that's why I, I went through the same debate. I kind of opted away from them. Yeah, because they can be a little bit much, even if they're good. I feel the same way about Holocaust movies and about... Uh, I think yeah. the, the problem is not that they're flawed as movies, but that to have a movie that is flawed in that way diminishes the importance of the events. Um, right, and it's not that um, uh, it would be very hard to make a really good movie about anything that is almost unspeakably horrible, because you have to yeah, turn yeah. it into something that people will pay seven dollars to take a date to, and uh, that's always going to diminish um, uh, history. I think in some ways, or most of the time, it will. I agree. <clears throat> All right, so are we to yes. number two? We're back around to my number two movie, which is a little movie you might have heard of called Coal Miner's Daughter. Oh, sweet. Which is one of my absolute favorite movies of all time. We've already covered most of it. Yeah, everyone gets the accent right, which seems like a trivial thing, but it's huge. Like when you're watching a movie where everyone's talking uh, like they're from, like, uh, I don't know, like an aristocratic Georgia family, and they're supposed to be out in the holler somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> I also like this because the director, Michael Apted, he tried really hard to not make it like a look at these hillbillies kind of movie. It was supposed to be like a real story about real people yep. um, and not like looking down at them or kind of trying to box them in in any way. Well, and I think... Um, and I had heard well, that... Sorry. No, go ahead. I think that, um, like, there's... I walked the line. There's a few biopics that almost made my list, mm-hmm. but... 
but this is Almost. really one of my favorite biopics of all time. I just think that it's um, right. Uh, it's it's got a really good arc that doesn't feel forced or fake. Yeah, and it's got good characters. And like you know, Doolittle's one of my favorite characters in movie history. Um, and one of my there's a few like great bits of trivia about this movie. One is that. Um, Doolittle, who is Loretta Lynn's husband, um, didn't want anything to do with this movie and was, like, really adversarial towards Tommy Lee Jones. But then Tommy Lee Jones, um, before filming, was hanging out in Butcher Holler and got really <laughs> drunk and uh, stole a Jeep and went driving around town and got arrested. <laughs> so Doolittle decided he was uh, pretty okay. He was good, pe- he was good people. <laughs> was good. Yeah. Well, I heard so that was story. With him after I that. heard also that he um, had to teach him how to drive a tractor. And that they started being friends oh, over yeah, that, yeah. too. But, yeah. Yeah, I've heard that. And then, um, also, do you know the story about Levon Helm um, laying in the coffin and leading them and singing Amazing Grace? <laughs> They, um, they're at the funeral. You know, Levon Helm plays her father, and they're at their funeral, and they're going to sing Amazing Grace, but Levon Helm set up and said, no, you're doing it wrong. Like, in this part of the country, they'd be doing the call and response Amazing Grace. And so one of the extras was a coal miner and, a, like, a folk singer, and so he's the person you can hear calling it out in there, and so they do that version of Amazing Grace. And so it has all these great touches like that and then you know the Patsy Cline performances are amazing because you you go through in this movie they're in Butcher Holler and then they go to Nashville right so you're getting like this whole kind of uh, geographical and class experience across all sorts of uh, sections of southern culture and stuff and you get yeah Patsy Cline you get Doolittle you get Loretta Lynn it's, it's all great um, the, my favorite moment in the movie is where she's on the air on the radio and doesn't know what horny means and Doolittle has told her that it means just cutting up and having fun. Yeah. <laughs> we kept getting hornier and hornier. The more baloney we uh, ate, the hornier we got. <laughs> I think my favorite moment, moment is when uh, she's uh, singing, and he's like, Loretta, Loretta, I think we finally found something you can do. <laughs> Which is good. So, yeah, I could do, we could do a whole show on how much I love Coal Miner's Daughter, but it's a great movie. If you've never seen it, Definitely watch Coal Miner's Daughter. It seems like kind of yeah, it seems like kind of a silly biopic, but it's a really really terrific film. Okay, so that's my number two selection, David. What was your um, it takes place right on the border of Ohio and West Virginia. Uh, it's okay. the Night of the Hunter. I know what it is now. Night of Night of the Hunter, it, directed by Charles Lawton. It was the only movie he ever directed. Cooper, I take it. It's about that John and that Pearl. Oh, them poor little lambs. 
to think I never hope to see them again in this world. Lord, dear madam, if you was to know what a crown of thorns I have borne in my search for them straight chicks. Ruby, go fetch them kids. Uh, the script was written by James Agee, um, yep. who's from Knoxville and very important in Knoxville lore. Has Robert Mitchum. Who's um, <laughs> great in everything. Yeah. And he plays somebody who seems... He seems even more Southern than uh, than Appalachian in this. Uh, he plays a serial killer who's trying to get his hands on some money and marries uh, Shelley Winters in order to try to get to her kids who know where the money is. Lillian Gish, who was a silent film star, as an old lady is in this and helps him out. Peter Graves, who was the original Mr. Phelps on Mission Impossible, the TV show, he played the dad who dies in... I guess the first act or second, um, and um, yeah, it's just a, it's uh, uh, solid. It has a lot of tension in it. It's very much a, a film noir feeling movie, which usually doesn't happen in the South. They usually go for the gothic more than the noir, um, and that's my one of my favorite genres. And so, um, yeah, it's a great movie. And this is that's where he has love and hate carved in his fingers, uh, right? Well, tattoos of love and hate across his knuckles. Tattoos. Um, the story of love and hate. The story <laughs> yeah. of love and hate. Um, I was going to add in, there's one other really good Southern noir film that I thought about including in this, but I didn't, which is Panic in the Streets with Richard Widmark. Have you ever seen that? I haven't seen that. I have not. No. It's set in New Orleans. Uh where there's a murdered stowaway from a ship. Uh, they find out he has the plague, and so they send in a government health expert to try to track down who murdered him so that they can stop the plague. And the murderer is Jack Palance, who's just terrifying in it. Yeah, he's a pretty um, terrifying guy. Yeah, and, but it's just they're just running around like late 1940s New Orleans. Uh, it's great. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah, Night of the Hunter is great. And Robert Mitchum used to go fishing in Destin, so he's a good... Where's he actually from? I don't even know. Yeah, I'm not sure. But wasn't he also... He's in the original Cape Fear, right? Yep. Yes. Robert Mitchum. And I think he has a small part in the remake. Or is it Gregory Peck who has a small part in the remake? I think Gregory Peck has a small part. I think Robert Mitchum was done by then. Yeah. Um, all right, good choice. So, Chad, what is your number two selection? Okay, I'll say my number two. I, I wanted to include Coal Miner's Daughter, um, but I thought that at least one, if not both of you, would probably <laughs> include it. Yeah, so. I thought we were all with it. Uh, I was trying to, and I knew that probably Cat on a Hot Tin Roof would be included, so I didn't want to completely overlap and us to have the same list. But I did want to have a coal mining movie in there, and... Um, and maybe I think this I know is coming. And maybe this is not. Yeah, this is already spoiler. You've already been spoiled. Um, and um, so I thought, and maybe this is not even doesn't even justify being number two. But it just it kind of just was a replacement for coal miners. But I still really like. But this. it's a great film. It was. Um, it's a great film. Yeah, Matawan, um, which is the story of uh, the Battle of Bloody Mingo or the Battle of Matawan which is about a coal miner strike, and they fight, uh, not Pinkerton detectives, but, uh, like, there's, um, like, they're fighting the, they're fighting the coal miner company, and Chris Cooper is a union... It's his first uh, role. It's what? It's Chris Cooper's first movie Yeah, I role. think it's one of his, yeah. It is his first movie, and he's a union organizer uh, in a, a town that's on a coal mine. They're a, 
the coal miners have gone on strike and they've the coal mining company has brought in uh, black and immigrant workers to uh, scabs and then Chris Cooper convinces the the uh, scabs to join the union to to side with the to join the union and uh, unionizes everybody and then it it stars a young Will Oldham as a child preacher yeah. um, Danny who is the son of a boarding he Chris Cooper lives in a boarding house like he when he gets to the he he is an outside Chris Cooper's an outsider um, come to org, a red he's a red organizer. Uh, come to mess everything up for the coal company, but he lives in a not a bed, um, like a, a boarding house. Boarding house, a boarding house. Going to call it a bed and breakfast, but he lives in a boarding house. <laughs> and the boarding house, the lady who runs the boarding house, her son is Will Oldham, who is a a child preacher, and and I think it, it's uh, pretty good. It has James James Earl Jones as right. in a in a great scene where he is where. Not to speak. The union speech? Yeah, the union speech. You want to be treated like men? You want to be treated fair? But you ain't men to that coal company. Your equipment. Like a shovel, gun my car, a hunk of wood brace. They use you until you wear out or you break down or you're buried under a slate fall and then they'll get a new one. Gives, that's one of the great if you can go if you haven't seen this movie you can go on YouTube and just watch like the Chris Cooper union speech it's, it's really great it's very very good yeah. with uh, James Earl Jones and Chris Cooper explaining why what a union is yeah I, I believe the detectives are the Baldwin Feltz yeah that's the Baldwin Feltz detectives are the ones who who are come in to break up the strike and this is all based on on true yeah based on so I violated. I viola- I I didn't even think of this as a historical film originally, but um, <laughs> but it is a historical film. But I think still very kind of. I don't know. Feels very close to the, close to the heart. Since I grew up close to Kentucky, and a lot of people I knew were, coal miners. Um, yeah, I cut this one off my list. Like I would have almost put this number one on my list, but I it was in, it's set in West Virginia. And so that's the only thing I made myself cut off, like West Virginia movies, because this and Night of the Hunter are West Virginia, and so I, I left them off. But well, but Night of the Hunter is also Ohio, so it is the South. As <laughs> 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 we've established, yeah, <laughs> Ohio is definitely the South more than West, Florida and West Virginia more than Texas, more than Texas. And I, I want to say there were a lot of Texas movies that I cut. I, I was I, I felt uncomfortable including Texas films and Texas movies. Yeah, me too. The, well, the ones that on were very western, like uh, even um, the Last Picture Show, even though it yeah, could easily be said in the South, it just feels so West Texas the way that it's yeah, put right. together. It's a great movie, but it's um, uh, it's not the southern part of Texas. No. All right, so are we so to are we getting around number one? Number one? Yeah, and I should say before we get to number one, we should say that before we put our choices in, we've all stipulated that uh, To Kill a Mockingbird is the center square on our bingo. So we just, <laughs> we're going to stipulate that it's a great film, that we all think it's a great film, and that so we just have set it to the side so that we can pick other things. Like, uh, there's, I think it's, I don't know if it's the, like the epitome of a great Southern movie, but it's it's 
it's up there, right? Mm-hmm. You can't really get around it, I don't think. Um, okay, so I guess I'll go with my number one. Uh, my number one was Cool Hand Luke. Oh, sweet. So, uh, 1967, director Stuart Rosenberg, who also did Brubaker, which almost made the list for me, but I didn't want to have too many prison movies, uh, mm-hmm. but I love Brubaker as well. He also directed Amityville Horror and The Pope of Greenwich Village. Um, but Cool and Luke, so one thing I don't like about it uh, is that it was filmed in California, but it's supposed to be in Florida. It's set in Florida. They filmed it in California. So normally that would get it kicked off my list. Like I call that the justified rule. So, like, I tried to watch the TV show Justified, and I kind of like it, but every time they talk about being in the holler, they're clearly driving around a canyon in California. <laughs> I just couldn't take it anymore. So, um, but this, Cool and Luke is filmed in California, but they did it in a way where it's always just really super flat, that it's always out on this flat ground. So it could just as easily be Central Florida where it's set. But, um, yeah, it's one of my favorite movies ever. And the reason I put it number one on my best southern movies list is as we said before paul newman plays a very good southerner for some reason mm-hmm. probably just because he's a very good actor but the whole setup to the film is that uh luke is just such a hard head um right and that he they keep saying it throughout the movie he's got more guts than brains and um he just refuses he's kind of such the southern archetype he just refuses to give in over and over again even when it makes so much more sense for him to give in because his original crime he's in jail for is cutting the heads off of parking meters yeah, I'd forgotten he had that. nothing better to do <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's the whole first scene he just says violated he's just cut the head off parking meters drinking a beer with his necklace which is a bottle opener um, <laughs> that he wears like dog tags um, and so he goes to jail. He gets put in this road work prison for three years, jail for three years. And then, you know, he just can't follow the rules. He can't do anything down. But he starts serving as an inspiration for all the guys in there because he just keeps uh, refusing to give in to everything, um, including eating 50 eggs in an hour um, and escaping repeatedly and then finally getting broken by the guards uh, after, after escapes. And then he loses the respect of everyone because he's finally been broken. But he's kind of possibly just been fooling them, possibly not, and ends up escaping, stealing the trucks and driving away. Uh, And I don't want to spoil the alert in the end being killed by the guards, but kind of on purpose. So uh, I just think he is the great southern archetype of the more guts than brains, but that's enough uh, for him. Um, and also, Paul Newman's performance is incredible, but George Kennedy in it is also great. Oh, yeah. I love uh, George Kennedy in almost everything that he's in. But he plays Dragline, um, the the prisoner Dragline, who's kind of the leader of the prisoners. And I think he might have won the Oscar for this one, but he's he also has um, the great accent in it as well. But you probably know George Kennedy from, like, Naked Gun and Airport and stuff, but he... Yeah, he won the uh, Best Supporting Actor for, for this movie. Um, so, yeah, so my number one is uh, Cool Hand Luke. All right. Well, mine is filmed in the same year, or released in the same year. Also set in the South, right. but filmed in the North for different reasons. Um, and it's the In the Heat of the Night with uh, yes. um, Sidney Poitier and Rod Steiger and Warren Oates. Um, it's another one that is a kind of noir 
movie. Worry about him. Got a name, boy? Virgil Tips. Virgil. <laughs> well, I don't think we're gonna have any trouble, are we, Virgil? No trouble at all. And uh, I think I think that. Sidney Poitier, of course, is always great, and he's always uh, dignified, and he's he does a great job in the movie. But I think that in some ways, Rod Steiger um, uh, outacts him with the character of Gillespie, who I love because he's a Southern racist sheriff in the way that I think much more often real Southern racist sheriffs were and are. He's just a guy who's never questioned the dominant um, structure of his society. Right. He's not like a clan member. He's not got, uh, you know, he doesn't think he has a dog in the fight. He's, uh, uh, he probably doesn't even think of himself as being particularly racist. It all just sort of comes out of his mouth. And going through the experience of the movie, he grudgingly has to give respect to the Sidney Poitier character. It's uh, for people who don't know it. It's basically a story about a guy from up north who's opening a factory in a small town in uh, Georgia gets killed, and the police pick up a black guy who's at the train station and bring him in because they want to charge him with the murder because he's a stranger and he's black. And it turns out that he's a cop from up north, maybe Chicago. Um, and he uh, ends up having to help in the investigation. And it has a lot of really important moments. Uh, Chad, you were talking about Mississippi Burning before. This is, uh, from yeah. what I read, this is the first movie where they actually set the lighting for to make Sidney Poitier look good. Uh, and set the 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 lighting to where it sort of didn't wash out dark skin tones, and um, it's uh, as, you know it's convoluted enough. It's got a, a good plot, but it mostly has really good performances. It shows an unflattering view of the South, but not a caricature. And having Sidney Poitier in the center of your movie is always a great thing. And Warren Oates and Rod Steiger, uh, it's just a really good movie, I think. I'm about to make a horrible confession I've never seen in the heat of the night. You should see it. Also, skip the TV show. I, yeah, so that's a problem. So when I was younger, the TV show was always on TV, and I saw a little bit of it, and I thought, I'm not interested in this. And then, I ne so I never... You didn't want to see Archie Bunker solve crimes. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'm like, yeah. Well, Carol O'Connor yeah, is a good actor. Uh, um, he is. Better as a comic actor, I think. And he, but they had to make him more likable than Rob Steiger is. And also, right. uh, I forget For what TV. the guy's name is, uh, who played Virgil Tibbs in the TV show, but he was no Sidney yeah. Poitier. Yeah. Nobody is, but uh, uh, he was just fine, but he was no Sidney Poitier. <laughs> so I know about that movie, Sidney Poitier's... Uh Told that made them demanded they film it in the north, right? He's like, I'm not going to go film it in Georgia because he had the Klan had actually literally threatened to kill him when he was there the last right. filming. He and I right. forget who he <laughs> yeah. was with, but another one of the big, maybe it was um, uh, 
He might have been down there with Baldwin doing civil rights work, or it might have been for a movie. I don't know the details of the story, but yeah, he insisted on filming in the North. So they they filmed it in like Sparta, Illinois, or somewhere. It's, I think it's Sparta, isn't it? Uh, but yeah, I don't know. That, so that's yeah. my number one. All right, good good choice. And Chad. All right, I'll uh, preface. I have a little bit of trouble with putting this as number one, but I wanted to include this in my uh, and I really like this film a lot. I, and I'm not even sure if it's a if it if it's my southern criteria, but I like how it showcases uh, the southern landscape and also southern like New Orleans, and it's uh, Down by Law by Jim Jarmusch. Um, oh yeah, yeah, very good. And uh, just I like it has it's about three convicts or oh well they're three small time people they end up in jail. Uh, Tom Waits, John Lurie, and Roberto Benini, and they escape and they kind of. <laughs> run around New so Orleans good. and then they end up running around the bayou and um I just like kind of not necessarily that. I, I really like John Laurie. Tom Waits is pretty good. Roberto Benigni. It's hard to. Uh, I mean, this is like one of his first. It's one of his first films. So I try when I watch it. I try not to think about what he will become um, when uh, when I watch this. But uh, but I really enjoy watching them. Just kind of. Walk. I mean, it's just kind of the way that it showcases the the landscape more so. Um, so you say it's not a southern film, but where's Jim Jarmusch from? Do you know? Oh, um, actually, no. Ohio. Ohio. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> the Ohio connection. Uh, you know, I considered this one. I had put it on the list because I, it's a great film. I love Jim Jarmusch. But I was like, can I sell this as a southern film? But you're right. It does. Like, the landscape's great. Like, when they're running through, like, all the pine forests and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, it's yeah. just a wonderful looking film. It's not it's one of my favorites. Funny. Like really funny. Not one of my favorites, yeah. but it's. Uh, but I almost had Mystery Train on my list. Mystery Train. Oh, Mystery good yeah, too. I was kind of thinking, man, maybe Mystery Train two, but then. Um, I didn't see Mystery Train two. Oh yeah, Mystery Train two. <laughs> they made a sequel. <laughs> the Revenge of Carl Perkins. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> see, I was gonna put Ghost Dog on my list, and then I. <laughs> um, 
No, but this was just, I was thinking about just uh, this kind of, when I was making the list, this one kept, when I was making my list, this one kept popping into my head, and I, and I really liked it, and I, it's some, it's a film that I go back to kind of over and over yeah, and again. Yeah, no, solid, solid, solid choice. And I can, it actually well, helps me forget what, what Roberto Benigni became. Um, An Academy Award winner? Academy Award winner, yeah. I know um, we're running long, but there's something else about movies yeah. I'd like to spend a minute on if it's okay. Sure. I want to talk yeah. about the movies that's on, that are on everybody's list that aren't on our list and why they aren't. Like Gone with the Wind. Well, so I was going to say, I want to do a show about the worst other movies at some point. And uh, as you know, my one through five are Forrest Gump uh, over <laughs> and over. But Gone with the Wind, Gone with the Wind, I would easily put on there. What was the other one I was thinking of? Uh, uh, yeah, I can't stand it. The Sweet Home Alabama. Um mm. Oh, it's Prince of Tides. I fucking hate Prince of Tides. I love the book. The movie's garbage, um, in my opinion. Uh, For me, Gone with the Wind, I was thinking about it the other day, and I realized if Gone with the Wind had been set in Russia, um, (laughs) I might have thought it was a really great uh, um, movie. But the fact, The Happy Slaves and the, um, no pun intended, whitewashed KKK, make it just sort of intolerable for right. me. And another one right. is, we'll Oh Brother, Where Art Thou didn't make any of our lists. And I okay. think it's a pretty great movie, but yeah, it didn't make any of our lists. I so so I thought about it. Sorry, go no, ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead, and then I'll chime in. I had thought about it, and I, it's very good. The music's very good. The scenery's great. Um, I, I love the Coen brothers, but, you know... I was like, well, are they really making Southern movies? But they also made Blood Simple, which is set in Texas, right? right. Which is a great a kind of Texas movie. And they're kind of able to set their movies anywhere and have them be pretty good. The only thing I thought about that was it could have kind of been set anywhere. I mean, it's very Southern, of course, but I, I don't know. I thought about I considered it. Yeah, I considered Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? But then the more I thought about it and thought about, I almost got to the point where it's like, um, and, and also the Coen Brothers. I mean, I love the Coen Brothers. I, I bend the knee to the Coen Brothers. Um, but then I was thinking, maybe is o, should I be offended at O Brother Where Art Thou? Um, that was part of my thing. I think is that to me it didn't. Um, it it indulged in stereotypes, and I think it sort of twisted them around and uh, did it in such a goofy way that they were pretty fun. But still, yeah, I, yeah for this list, it wasn't on this one. Yeah, it's it's the um, paterfamilias of, uh, bad, <laughs> of uh, but you know, but I, I'm saying this, but I kept making, um, I kept making Oh Brother Where Art Thou references all last week about the statues coming down. They done they done R U N N O F T. I was also here's one that didn't make our list that I was interested in. Uh, the Heart Is a Lonely Hunter. Oh yeah, uh, with uh, Alan Arkin, right? Alan Arkin and I rewatched it this week and Alan Arkin still comes across as like you know Alan Arkin in it there's no way I'm going to see him as a I love he's one of my favorite actors ever but there's no way I'm going to see him as a southerner yeah. in it um, but then I just uh, think Carson McCullough's stuff is not um, it's not very cinematic yeah yeah I think the movie's good it's good but it's just it's a little strange because it's trying to have Alan Arkin's character take you through all these other kind of vignettes that are not connected. Yeah. Um, so 
it, it's a little odd. I will say in Oh Brother Where Art Thou, uh, Tim Blake Nelson's performance is great. Yeah, it I is. Love, I love him as Del- Delmer. I'm, well, I've got tons of great movies that are on our list for various reasons, but these are the ones that other people would almost certainly put on their list. Oh. And another one sure. is Deliverance. It's good. Uh, and it's, you know, it's like it's, it's, about people from Atlanta uh, meeting people mm-hmm. from the hills. I think it probably would have made my list if it hadn't become something culturally that the movie right. actually isn't. It's become such a punchline because right. yeah, of it's a punchline for, yeah. the rape scene. Right. Yeah. And, and you wonder how many people that make jokes about that, how many people that use the term squeal like a pig have actually seen... Yeah, I don't uh, know. The movie. I've actually seen the movie. It was a favorite line of um, Robin Williams, who um, I had a very hard time with right. Robin Williams for a lot of reasons, but mostly because um, um, I hated the way that he made jokes about gay people. I think he thought that he was allowed to do a lot um, uh, of ridiculing gay people for laughs. And that somehow it didn't count because he meant well, and it didn't it right. didn't work for me. And then also Steel Magnolias, which a lot of people really love. Oh yeah, and yeah, I like that movie a lot it. too. It's um, I don't think it's maybe great cinema art, but it's funny. It has good characters. It has good jokes. It's um, you know. And what's the other one that set? Um, oh, Fried Green Tomatoes. Fried Green Tomatoes. No, I was going to say Terms of Endearment. Oh yeah, uh, I thought about Terms of Endearment, but I haven't watched it since I was a kid. I mean, it made a really big impression on me when I was like ten or something. Mm-hmm. It's it's not bad. It's John Malkovich is the blind house guest, right? It's been so long since I saw it. I don't. Yeah, no. uh, I just it's remember right. thinking um, it was good. I saw it in college, I think. Uh, yeah, and the, what are, I don't know. Steel Magnolias is a little bit like Little Foxes. That's one of the things I like about it, and that's another Southern movie. Um, and um, Lillian Hellman uh, wrote it, and it's like just movies that are uninterested in what the men are doing. I have a lot of respect for that. No, yeah, I think that's good. Uh, but there's, so I'm trying to think there's a whole genre of movies too, like The Help and stuff like that, which I just don't really have time for, where it's like, uh, how did the civil rights movement affect middle class white people? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Help I was, know. I saw The Help, and it was, oh, brother. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Uh, driving Miss Daisy, mm, not, no. and I didn't put it. I almost put yeah. in a musical just to have one. Of Showboat, I think, is pretty great. Uh, as about, as uh, sort of classic musicals go, I think uh, uh, for it to be set in the South, and also uh, oh, speaking of, the Simpsons yeah. musical uh, about New Orleans, uh, Streetcar. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the the one. Um, Speaking of musicals, I forgot I left out of Cool Hand Luke. Is that it also features a young uh, Harry Dean Stanton playing the guitar and singing throughout? Oh, it. So yeah, I forgot right. about just it. watching it for that. Yeah, yeah, just for that alone, I would recommend. Where's Harry Dean Stanton it. from? That's a good question. I don't know if he was ever born or if he's ever going to die. He just kind of is. Yes. Um, he just what, sh- what about Sling Blade? I thought of that. I thought about putting it on my list, and I haven't watched it in so long. There's a lot of stuff I couldn't get back around to watching it. Uh, Harry Dean Stanton's from Kentucky. Oh, okay. West West Irvine, Kentucky. 
And he, so he's a, yeah, he's he a, was he's in one fan. of my sort of arty indie choices. I mostly went with big, big Hollywood movies, but I really loved Wise Blood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Wise yeah, Blood was well done. Yeah, Wise Blood was that was one I thought about, but then I didn't want it. I thought about I could just all do uh, films that were based on um, movies, mo- uh, films that were based on like southern art, like southern writers' works. There's a lot of those. So I think I had thought about putting. Hmm? I thought about putting in uh, Dead Man Walking, and I yeah. didn't, but I thought about it. It's very good, and I know, David, you're not a fan of Sean Penn, but I thought he's incredible in it. I'm not a fan of him personally, but I've seen him in a lot of good movies. I thought he was great in Milk. I thought he was great in most things. I think he's a good actor. He's just a little bit of a tool. Um, or he seems that way. I don't know him personally, but he seems yeah. like a little bit of a tool. Um, and you're just still upset that he didn't pick you up during Katrina when you were you were waiting for his job with his pistol. Exactly, it's like um, uh, you know I spent weeks on that roof. Um, and but while we're, uh, we've said at some point that we're going to do eventually do one about um, documentaries about the South. Yeah, and I think I think that's even more fertile territory. Yeah. I think there are like. I can think of five of the best documentaries ever about this album. Yep. Werner Herzog's Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans. <laughs> I that was on my I list. I Japan. love that movie. I saw it. Really? I think yeah. I saw it. I saw it here. I think I was here in Mexico when I went and saw it. And uh, everybody had told me how horrible it was. And I went and saw it and thought it was hilarious and great. I, I saw it in Kyoto with uh, with my wife, and I was like, oh, yeah, here's this great movie. We're going to see him about New Orleans. And then it's like a two-and-a-half-hour-long Werner Herzog movie. <laughs> but it's it's not bad. It's weird. It's, it's good, good, yeah. Though. But then, I, yeah, it made me think, is this a movie? I, I really like it, but I think, is this a movie about the South, or is this a movie... Just about a man Warner going Herzog. crazy. It's <laughs> 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 uh, a thin line. Yeah. Thin. It's kind of like, like the three-minute-long scene of an alligator crossing the road. <laughs> 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 that is probably not even really there. Um, yeah. But that <laughs> might speak. Maybe that is maybe more my my idea of what the South is than anything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think you're right. Um, I think you're correct. Warner Herzog's got his finger on it, after all. Yep. Like with so many things. All right. I think we've covered uh, a lot of good stuff for today. That's the end of the podcast for this week. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Chad. Thank you, Wes. Thank you, David. It was a pleasure. next week. An honor and a pleasure.